Welcome to Bad Dad's Film Review, where we are a trio this evening. Dan, Peter and myself, Sidey. And we're going to talk about a film. Well, it's my nominations, actually, and I really can't wait to see what you made of this week's film. There was a kids thing, which was The Lion Guard. Yeah. And there was a top five, which I announced as houseplants last week. But I did say it was subject to change, and it did change. It is Hotels. Okay, well, we got all that just in time. It's another strong intro, isn't it? It's really good. <laughs> it's probably worth saying at this point, if you want to enhance the, the pleasure of listening to us, then it helps if you uh, add the audio description, because <laughs> I feel that that is something There's nothing that, is that can't be enhanced. By an audio description, yeah. as, as we found out last week. So it was very insightful from you, Dan. It's a real tip. I'm surprised a lot more people don't watch films <laughs> with the audio description. Well, a lot of people do, but they're... Um blind what they're not just they're not just blind they're clever they yeah. know they know what makes a really great movie and it's having it described to you well did you watch anything this week with the audio description on not with the audio description i i never watched geostorm again this week i decided once was enough but other people have fallen into that trap so i i'm just going to heed a warning now to everyone do not watch geostorm with jed butler it's utter twaddle Dutch boy. Yeah. But I did watch The Pass again. I watched a little bit more of that. I watched a, a thing, Dave Allen at Peace. It's on, I think, Prime or Netflix at the moment. You know the comedian, Dana, Dave yeah, Allen, the well. Irish comedian? Yeah. Famous in, in the 90s and things when I was growing up. He's Little well, Finger. 1890s. <laughs> <laughs> little Finger from Game of Thrones. He plays okay dave allen really well and i really enjoyed that last night i watched tick tick boom which is an andrew garfield oh the the Um, rent guy the yeah and the story of how he made this musical and before he got famous and the the struggles and that and i really like him andrew garfield i think he's a, a fantastic actor and he was superb in this and then i also avoided watching another film called escape with sly and arnie because it it just it just plan, sounded it? really shit. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it just says Ray Beslin, the world's top security agent, agrees to take on one more job. It's, and you think, fuck it's me. It's all right. It's it's like you'd imagine with like Sly and Arnie. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, I avoided that. Slani. I thought it was all right. Like I obviously seen it. it's crap, but it's yeah. it's all right crap. And the other one I watched with Shaquille O'Neal and a few other NBA, Reggie Miller, and I think a few other brilliant basketball players was Uncle Drew, which I love a sports movie. This was a a middle of the road one. They win in the end, but it it was decent. They would do all them playing for them. Well, they're all old guys, you see. They're Uh, all playing like, you know, to get those. Like a veterans league. Like a veterans. They're all grey hair and. Bad backs coming out the hosp- the homes and everything, and they're getting the band back together for one last go at this big tournament. And yeah, it, it, it's pretty good like that. Cool, Pete. Did you say anything? Yeah, not not much in the way of films. The only film I've other than the homework that I tried to. So I wanted JJ, my six year old, to watch some Star Wars. I wanted. To, I think he's now ready to to do it. So I forced him to watch. I thought the Phantom Menace might be a good starting point for it. one because it's episode one um, and two because there's 
uh, Jar Jar Binks, which is close to his own nut, and I thought you might think that that was funny. Well, Anakin's a little kiddie, in it? Anakin's a kid, and obviously there's pod racing. The fact that he's shite film, though, did that it, put him uh, off? Yeah, I, it's I, better I, than I, all the last three <clears throat> trilogies. It's not, it really. Like, all the fucking... Even, like, the, 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 re- like the, the, the bit at the beginning, the words that appear... At, it's fucking incomprehensible. I, I don't understand the trade unions and shit. Like, yeah, all, trade yeah. delegations. Blah, blah, blah. I, I read it out to him, and I was like, as I'm reading it out, thinking, I don't know what this means. So he hasn't got a prayer. There's, there's a fan edit on YouTube of just the trade delegation stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all the action, all the plot. It's Terrible. just just that. Terrible. The it, like, it, you know, it held his attention for parts. The pod racing bit, he really, really enjoyed. But then once that was over, and about five minutes yeah. after that, he was like, "Can I go to bed now, please?" He was like, "Not up for any more." That was about an hour or ten of it. I've been mostly watching series. I've started watching Ozark season four, okay. which is good. I watched a Netflix series called Stay Close, a British thing, which I, I quite liked actually. It was like a Bit of a bit of a whodunit. It's got James Nesbitt in it, and it, yeah, it's it's quite good, well acted. I've what yeah, I'm up to up to date with with Boba Fett. The, the so I thought episode. that thing under the the tarpaulin was going to be the pod racer, right? Yeah, because yeah, it had the two actually, like bulbous things, you know, on the side. It's one of the the the, the it's the Naboo thing, Starfighter. Yeah, yeah, the Naboo Starfighter. Did thing. you get the? Easter really like weird Easter egg thing when he asks for an engine part, the Jawas go off and get it and they come back with the exhaust thing. Did you get see where that was do you know where that was from? No. When Luke oh, Luke yeah, and Hannah yeah, in the trash compactor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did I, yeah. I did I did see that bit. So obviously I've watched that and like, yeah, fucking it made me yearn for more Mandalorian. Well it obviously. was Mandalorian two point five, wasn't yeah, it? It's not but, but the most recent thing that I have started watching by myself, this is for the second time round, and it's fucking brilliant is psychoville so this okay. is steve pemberton and reed shearsmith yeah um inspired by the segue the film nice choice. into our film yeah it? and it's it's so fucking dark there's some brilliant humor in it dark humor it's almost like borderline horror psychological shit but some really fu- the, the the characters and the character acting and everything in it is really really top drawer it's definitely worth a watch okay uh, that's about it I did, yeah, Boba Fett slash Mandalorian, and I watched Geostorm because it's tremendous. It's so <laughs> I think bad, we're up to it? like four or five times I've seen that now. Honestly, I don't understand. My, I was hovering over it again to watch it once more just to remind myself how bad it was. It's terrible. I might watch it. It's great. When the, the car chase towards the very end and there's this the, nearly the Geostorm, but not quite, but there are lightning bolts coming down and just blowing up entire stadiums and they're like dodging it in their little car and it's fucking brilliant yeah you've got to see that <laughs> just so many stupid conversations when he when he goes in he goes we're brothers we don't walk away from each other and then he just walks away it's just like oh it's filled with shit like that <laughs> i don't think it was anything else to be honest loads of youtube stuff but not really anything worth discussing on here we did have a few nominations for last week's top five which if you cast your mind back was crying Oh, scenes yeah. of crying aaron lambert nominated bambi which is a really good one actually a recasted podcast they wanted rocky three when mickey dies <laughs> it's such an emotional one <laughs> which is a good one and we had two nominations for this next one which is vampire's kiss which is a nicholas cage film so breachy rocket nominated that and you won't believe this but 
Jeff Kitchen got involved and he has sent us quite a, a weighty tome, which I'm going to read out for your enjoyment now. He First of all, he says he wants to congratulate Dan for watching last week's uh, movie with the audio description <laughs> on. That's some top tier befuddlement. Thanks, Jeff. You guys were talking about crying scenes and it would be remiss of you not to mention Nicolas Cage in The Astonishing Vampire's Kiss. It's the story of Peter an obnoxious literary agent who decides that one of his bar conquest one-night stands was actually a vampire. Except, of course, it's all in his head. It's a normal-looking movie with a decent score, okay cinematography, but it's got Nick Cage turned up to 11, which makes it a real oddity. (laughs) Anyway, there's a scene where he's blubbing and he actually says boo-hoo twice. I can remember the first time I saw a Nick Cage movie. I'd just returned from a holiday where I'd, I'd been in a remote part of Milton Keynes where I'd stayed for six glorious days indulging in my hobby, carving otters from bars of soap. (laughs) In the evenings, I retired to a premier inn, the outside of which smelt vaguely of urine. Personally, I wouldn't drink it, but it's an important bodily function, and if you're not urinating properly, it can be a sign that there's something wrong, and you should see a doctor as soon as possible. I spent several years in the French Foreign Legion, and my former soldier buddy, Anthony Dickey Wakefield, once found out that the hard way, when he stopped urinating altogether and then endured three weeks of sweating and reciting poems he claimed were the lost works of William Blake, but were in fact total gibberish. In the end, it turned out he had a kidney stone the size of a 50p coin and was four times as jagged, and I can still hear to this day the screams as he eventually passed it. It was a sweet it was sweet music to my ears because Dickie was a nasty piece of work who once punched a pony and always had the kind of musk to him which was quite unpleasant. Yours, Jeff Kitchen. <laughs> Jeff. Well that was nice. Because you you were reached out to Jeff quite a lot. I, I've I've reached out to Jeff and that's the first I've heard back from him, so I appreciate that, Jeff. Mm, good to hear from Jeff. So I think Vampire's Kiss has got to go in on that basis. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, late change, late change on this week's top five. We're talking about movie hotels, which, truth be told, is one of Peter's categories, which I stole from him because I thought it would be quite good. Before, before we start, and I don't mind where we start, but I'd like to introduce a little game yeah. where you guys can earn treats. I'm up uh, for that. I brought some marshmallows called chumellos, I don't know why, and some toffees, and you get to choose um, which treat. So in 2006, there was a, a poll, online poll done by the website hotelonline.com for the best ever hotel scenes in film. And if any of your nominations 2006. feature... Home Alone 2. Hang on. If any of your films feature in this, you get a prize, which can be a, a marshmallow or a toffee fee. No, nice. So lots okay. at stake here, guys. So, mm, side okay. This it's changes a- everything. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Put me on edge. Da, 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 da. I'm just going to do them in the same order that I was thinking of them. So, the first one, I don't even know. I don't even know if this is in the time frame for that. Is the Park Hyatt Tokyo, which is from oh. one of my faves, which is Lost in Lost Translation. Lost in Translation, right. So, we see a lot of the hotel. We see, obviously, the, the suite that they're staying in. We see the gym and the pool, and we see some function rooms where they're doing ikebana flower arranging so it's quite quite it's a quite a beautiful lot of, hotel and it's, big it's, reception downstairs yeah we see we, yeah we see reception and then a tour through the lobby into the elevators we see all that so yeah quite i feel like i've been there yeah especially i've seen this film a lot quite a lot of money to stay there though i think yeah but, i think a lot of these hotels are, are going to be <clears throat> a little out my budget but i think i'm right in saying has how been to this i think so to this hotel in japan he's he's Howie's i don't know what, what's someone who favors a, a nipponophile maybe I'm gonna, i've made that up but i'm fairly sure he's been to this i've never seen this film wowzers yeah wowzers trousers 
Zoics. Okay. Well, Zoics. Well, yeah. I had the it's time not, of my life. That, it's not in the top 10 from the 2006 online poll. So you, you've missed, passed up an opportunity for okay. a marshmallow right. inside. Go ahead, Dan. Well, just saying, Pete, I had the, the time of my life at the Mountain Lake Lodge. That's Dirty Dancing. And that is the, the hotel where, where Baby was um, going to go and dance with Patrick Swayze. I've never seen it. You've never seen this movie? No. Okay. You've seen Dirty um, Dancing? I, no, because... It's a strong film. Is you know? it? Yeah, it is. is it? Yeah. I, I've watched it a good few times. But were you like forced by a partner? or no. No, it's just been on. I like Swayze. The, the story's Not enough to spell his name, right? D- <laughs> the, the story's decent enough. And yeah, it's just an enjoyable story. It's got a great soundtrack. They're dancing and everything. Yeah, really good. And the hotel is just one of those classic kind of, you know, 60s resorts where the family would go in America and they would, everything was based around it. They would just kind of stay there two or three weeks, have their lodge, have their dinner, all the... The kind of, it's almost like a Butlins, but yeah, just but, out in but the country. Was it in the top ten? No, okay. no, it was Ooh. not. And I, I grew to absolutely detest that film when in Sydney I stayed with five American uh, college girls, which you think would be amazing. But they watched this. I was there for about two weeks, and they watched this every fucking night. They got together <laughs> and got drunk much. and watched it and sang all the songs. And yeah, I, I absolutely detested it very very quickly i think even halfway through the first viewing and it's not in the top 10 so i'm getting a lot of let's and- say you're going to go for ones that then aren't in deliberately so that you leave them first. yeah I, I obviously can't yeah, yeah, know, yeah, win, win them myself just picking up on expense of hotels i've got i've got some some facts and, yeah, and some it. and uh, trivia and so on the most expensive hotel room per night can we guess yep burj al arab dan any advance on that? Burj Alarap 2? <laughs> no. Uh, hazard a guess at the cost? Hundreds of thousands a night. $100,000 uh, per is it, night. So is the, it Vegas Strip? The one? Empathy Suite Sky Villa at the Palms Casino Resort in Vegas is the most expensive hotel room to stay in. It's designed by Damien Hurst. Offers 9,000 square feet on two floors, a chauffeured car service, $10,000 in credit to spend at the casino downstairs, amongst others. And there is a two-night minimum. So you're, looking, you're in for 200000 just to, to stay in the you know, really, isn't it? Because you've got the 10 grand. Well, uh, yeah, night. very. so I think you'll find it's good value for money. I'm already saving yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I'll win that back. Exactly. So I, I won't go for any of the ones in, in the top. What I will go for is, only because I do think about this film quite a lot, I can't remember whose nomination it was, but Anomalisa. Um, I liked it for a number of reasons. One of those is the fact that Dan didn't like it, which makes me like it even more. The hotel, (laughs) just to remind everybody, is called the the Fregoli Hotel in Cincinnati, which is is the the name name of the syndrome syndrome that the guy has, which is everyone has the same face. face. And yeah, I fucking, I do think about that Mm. film. I've not gone back and... Watched it for the second time yet, but I'm soon to. You get the added bonus of puppet penis. I was going to say that started a little run of, or not consecutive weeks, but that started the dick. We've had quite a lot of dick. Yeah. This week as well. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. More dick, more dick action this week. Yeah. Yes. That's a good one. I'll go for Caesar's Palace, which was the setting for The Hangover. For a couple other films well, as well, yeah, wasn't it? But I'm thinking of it from The Hangover and also uh, a couple of times that I've stayed there myself. 
Yeah, I think it's the only one on my list that I've been to. But The Hangover, great film. Should have left it at just the one. I thought the second one was all right. It's just the same, but transported to Bangkok. The third got- one is absolutely dreadful. Yeah, it is wank, the yeah. third one, yeah. Uh, Rocky Three and Rain Man were also at Caesar's Palace. Oh, uh, yeah. No, Rain Man seems yeah. good, yeah. So, yeah, good. But it, like, it's all about The Hangover for me. Sadly, not in the top ten again. I Damn think it. Probably post-2006, maybe. I don't okay. know. It's hard to keep track of all these years. Well... I, I've got one, actually. I asked the, the boy, oh, what's a hotel in a film? And he goes, Lobster. Wasn't that set in a... Oh, good shout. Because it was a film that we reviewed on here and just out of this world idea, really, wasn't it? That these people thrown together in a hotel and that the various social rules that had to to be followed and eventually, if they didn't, they were turned into an animal. So Colin Farrell had a fantastic performance in mm. in this film and it was one of those that if it hadn't been for the pod i wouldn't have watched but set in that weird hotel it's the park nasilla resort and spa right it didn't have the name yeah in, okay in ireland i've got a um i've got a few hotels actually that have amusing names <laughs> would you like to hear them yes Go on then daniel <laughs> Okay, so in Paris, you've got the Hotel France. Where? Paris. Paris. Which Paris <laughs> are we talking about? Paris of Paris. In Paris, there's the Hotel Cunts. In New Mexico, you've got the Elephant Butt Inn. In Istanbul, you've you've got a choice, actually. You could either stand at the Grand Gross Hotel or the Grand Oral Hotel. So there's the, the Big Dick Halfway Inn in Missouri. That's not I, I like real. that one. That one is the real, yeah. The Big Dick Halfway Inn. Yeah, there's the French Lick Resort. In Indiana. There's a bad hotel in Corella. There's the, the best Western plus intercourse village in intercourse, <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> intercourse. Yeah. And there's some ass motel in Vancouver, Vancouver Island. There's also the Hotel Colon, which sounds <laughs> upsetting in Barcelona. Worth exploring. Yeah, but potentially so. I, I was upgraded <laughs> into a, a bigger room, you know, sweet dreams, as they say. Um <laughs> Is it just have you just taken over this whole section? There, it appears Dan? so, Peter. Okay. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna add in uh, the Grand Hotel Budapest. It's interesting that you mentioned lobster there, Dan, because another hotel fact I've got is the the world's most expensive omelette is served in a hotel, the New York City La Parca Meridian Hotel in the restaurant Normas. It serves uh, this omelette, which is called the Zillion Dollar Lobster Frittata. Priced at $1,000, the omelette includes a full pound of lobster and more than half a pound of caviar. That's extraordinary, isn't it? <laughs> I'm letting you know I wouldn't get one. <laughs> God. And also, just very quickly referencing animals, there's the Grand Hyatt Can Hotel. in. I think this is very pertinent to people who live in Jersey. So this is uh, a, a hotel in Cannes, the Grand Hyatt. New Jersey? It, no, Jer- the, our Jersey. Because it, it obviously it has uh, plenty of A-list guests and influential lodgers, it doesn't want seagulls bothering them. So it has five trained attack hawks nice. to attack the, the seagulls. That's correct. So we need to, anyone who has that, lives on coastal areas, needs to think about attack hawks. Moving on to, let me have a look. So not in the top 10, but absolutely worth uh, a mention is the Plaza Hotel in Home Alone 2, which it's been a long time since we mentioned a Home Alone film. I think I mentioned it last time. I think the last time we, we had it, it was you that mentioned it. It was like self-trolling. This one's got the Donald. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the one that, that Kevin ends up... <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Again, audio description needed here. Um, a, a simpleton gets up from the couch looking for an ashtray and <laughs> calamity ensues. So, yeah, this is obviously Kevin mm. gets on the wrong flight. I mean, who saw this coming, it happening again? He's ended up being not home alone, though, but by Away himself alone. in a hotel in New York. And uh, it's a famous hotel and there's famous scenes in it. And I don't mind... I actually prefer Home Alone 2 to the first one, I think. I can give a fuck either. No, <laughs> right. I'm in that field. But we're still, it's still, even with that, we still haven't got any of the top 10. Okay, right. Let's go for the Timberline Lodge, Mount Hood National Forest, Aragon, which is actual, is the actual name of the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. That's got to be, be in it. Got to be in the top Number ten. three in the top ten. Specifically, boom. they've even gone for the specific scene. So this is Danny Torrance facing the image of the dead twins. Room two, three, seven. Right. So yes, you win yourself a marshmallow or Tofifi there. So. I'm going to go Tofifi. They don't actually have a room two, three, seven in the hotel. That was they had to invent that because it's the room in the. Book. All the rest of it's true. But um, <laughs> there's there's a kind of the blood out the elevator. Yeah. There's a kind of documentary film uh, about The Shining called Room Two Three Seven. It's definitely worth watching. There's, there's an actual I don't know the name of it. There's an actual hotel somewhere in the world that is based on the the Overlook Hotel, and one of the channels it might be Channel Two Three Seven shows The Shining just on a loop. I would never go there. Uh, no, no, it'd probably you, be absolutely terrifying. Do you remember the hotel in? Kiev that we went to, Pete. Yes, I do. I even noted it, and it was that your 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 quip was incredible. We were on a stag do, which was a bit of a letdown because the stag bottled it about halfway through. <laughs> but when we were checking in, Sidey had already gone up to one of the rooms, and I was checking in with someone else. And lobby was all right, wasn't it? it was the lobby was quite right. grand. And then Sidey messaged me and said, have you, "Have you got your room yet?" I said, "No, why?" And he said, "Well, this this hotel has four stars, one for each time I've considered killing myself since I've been here." <laughs> it was dreadful, and we hadn't even really fully experienced how bad it was at that point. I was sharing a room with our friend Norm, uh, and while he was getting dressed, I was just sort of looking around. There was some sort of stain on the wall, and I was like, "Norm." Look at this. And you couldn't he hasn't been out. here two minutes. He's already staining the couldn't, walls. You couldn't work out if it, if it was blood or shit. It was fucking just <laughs> so bad. And then one morning we went for breakfast and it was just a catastrophe. Horrendous. Can't yeah, believe yeah. you made breakfast on a stag do. Is it back round to me? Yeah. Well, I, I've got a story, actually. It's a it's a Sean Connery story when he arrived at the Grand Hotel for, for filming. And the director met him and said... It's great to see you, Sean. It's an honour to have you join us for the project. The pleasure's mine. <laughs> Boom. Oh, it's been a long drive and I'm tired. Is my room ready? <laughs> of course, of course. I have your key right here. And he gives over the key and he says, I appreciate it's quite late tomorrow, so we're going to start a bit later. Are you happy to meet is in the lobby for tennis? And he goes, tennis? I didn't even bring my racket. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> to get on to, to a film with a hotel in it, I'm just trying to think of the, the name of the hotel. It's the Vanderbilt, which is in L.A., and it's Scent of a Woman with Al Pacino as he dances mm. with 
the the Gabriel Awa, I think Anwar, the beautiful girl in that film, and he's blind in this movie. He got it, the Oscar nod for well, this. He actually went full method blind prob- himself. Well, he probably did <laughs> do well with the audio description. Yeah. <laughs> but that was also made in Manhattan. Analyze this was done in this hotel as well. So it was is the Waldorf Astoria in the uh, Vanderbilt room. Got it. Okay. I know, side. you're a fan of uh, world records, mm. especially ones that we think that we can beat. What do you reckon that your chances are of this one? Chow Ka Fai, housekeeping staff member for the Cordis Hotels in Hong Kong, earned the Guinness World Record for the fastest time to make a bed by an individual, and this is a king-size bed. Not a super king, for some hour of them. No, king-size bed. The time that he or she took was one minute and nine seconds. Yeah, they can keep that one. I'm not going to beat that. You're not going to do that? No. I don't make my own bed, so... No, it takes me about three seconds to make mine. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, like, I like... This is... Floof the duvet, you know, that's about it. Yeah. You know, if you're talking is sheets... Is standards to be this thing, What are they called? Like some nurses' corners or so? I don't know. But anyway, that that's that's a world record that, that we think that someone could probably beat at some point. Interesting, Dan, that you mentioned Al Pacino because I've got the Fontainebleau Miami oh. Beach... That was going to be my next one. Which is a film famous, sorry, a hotel famous for one of the most fucking disturbing scenes of cinema, which is in Scarface, the chainsaw scene, which I think different versions, I mean, there's a version out there that actually, I think they really like fucking cut into a real person with a chainsaw, but... (laughs) I don't think I've seen the full one, but just the, the mere sort of presence of a chainsaw and blood going everywhere yeah. is, is enough for everyone to know what's going on. Really iconic scene. I think that and I'll let Dan do it. The other scene from Scarface. Tony Montana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hello to my little friend. <laughs> yes, okay. That yeah. one. Yeah. The, okay, yeah, the, so the, can the we... Filipino actor. Though. Can we clarify then a rule of this game? Yeah. Is... Is the hotel only allowed to appear once? So you've you because I was going to go for that one next because it's a different film that has a key scene. But obviously, then if you've said it, I'm thinking it probably isn't going to be in the top ten. That film, that hotel and film that I've just mentioned, do not feature in the top ten. <laughs> I don't believe. Just looking down here, I don't believe that any of the films in the top ten have appeared twice. But I might be wrong. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll go for the Beverly Wilshire. Obviously, that's in Beverly Hills. That was the primary filming location for Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman, it is. Pick yourself a marshmallow or a toffee. Boom. This is number one side. Really? Yep. And specifically, again, the scene is Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in the the bubble bath. That was number one. With the gerbils. I think it was hamsters, isn't it? You can stay there and you can ask for the Pretty Woman for a day package which starts at 15 grand which features the stay in the pretty woman's suite you get a personal shopper on rodeo drive couples massage and a shoeless picnic blah 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 blah, blah. the film is also used in clueless sex in the city the movie what a fucking load of shit and escape from planet of the apes so don't get confused and ask, ask for the escape from planet of the apes experience because right. that'd be that'd be totally different 15 grand seems a lot but not compared to the 100 grand obviously that you mentioned yeah i don't like pretty women either no, it's it's no, not at all. It's a, it's an odd message. It kind of just, yeah, like just go hookers glorifies sex workers, which yeah. yeah, like not everyone's a fan of. No, some are though. But I am now that it's number one in the hotel. Yeah, you, you've survey. Now, you've now picked number one and number three, and. 
Dan is unfortunately well, I'm lagging. Gonna, I'm going to take a number two here with um, <laughs> the, the Grand Millennium. Bit more LA. Um, that's the Ghostbusters hotel. You, you, you've, you've finally struck gold here, Dan. I've found number it, Number yeah. seven on the list. So, I've yep. made the top ten. And I'm all over those marshmallows. I don't care about the rest of this film. I just want those marshmallows. <laughs> no, Ghostbusters. I haven't, still haven't seen the, the new one. I haven't got round to seeing anything other than Ghostbusters. You've seen the original one, though? Seen the original. So you've seen the new one, then. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's... It's not worth doing. Specifically, the Team Trasher Hotel dining room chasing ghosts is the mm. scene. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've, you've won Anything yourself a marshmallow. So. marshmallow. Nice. Yep. Okay. The, a group of people who, I think they, you know, because of other things that they did, who, you know, it kind of, you know, pulled a lot of focus away from, like, some of the achievements they made. So the Nazis built something called the Colossus of Prora, which was a hotel on the uh, German island of Rügen. It's four and a half kilometres long, built between 1936 wow. and 1939. And then something happened that, that stopped the, uh, the, the, the building work in 1939. I can't think how what. Ma- how many cells does that hotel have? But had it, so the, obviously it had the, you know, the plans. Yeah. And um, had it been finished or been allowed to finish, if we'd basically just left them alone, it would have <laughs> been the biggest resort in the world today. Wow. So they had a lot of foresight. So, you know, not all bad, the Nazis. <laughs> the What am I going to go for? I'm looking at... So this is a film that I liked a lot of, but it made me feel fucking stupid. And I've never gone back and watched it, and I will do it at some point, but I, I got lost in my own mind, Inception. But there is one particular scene, which is oh, the gravity incredible. Yeah. It's just an incredible... Because I think... It, it's the second dream down that yeah. it's in a hotel. Yeah. Um, and I think there's like a scene at the the, the bar and everything. But then mm. you get this amazing scene where the, the because they're, I think they're crashing in a van. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt yeah. is fighting. Yeah. So they're like floating around like, you yeah. know, weightless in, in between like the, you know, in the lift and the hotel. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think that apparently the set was like, they built like a four story yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like doodah. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible scene in what, in a film that had so much promise, but ultimately just like fucking, you know, bewildered me too much, I think. Might be worth a, a second viewing. I think those films with very complex plot lines often are. I watched, um, I've watched that a couple of times and it was one of those films that I probably got more of out of the, the second time. I really enjoyed that film. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I've got one from 2006, so hopefully this might make the cut. It's the Grand Hotel Pup from Casino Royale, Daniel Craig's first outing as Bond. No, it's not. Bollocks, right, I don't even want to talk about it then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's Good film, though. It is a a good one, but I mean, (laughs) if we want to get onto this list, you've got to say words like best exotic marigold hotel. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but do you what did you ever see this? Film? No, Judy Dench with Judy Dench. It's got uh, Dev Patel in it. It's got Bill Nye, Maggie Smith. It, it's got a ton of people that we'd have all seen before. Ten million, like really low budget, just 
hit the heights people people really enjoyed it they watched it. it is a really good movie it's based in in india where a load of older people going out there to retire for one reason or another they've decided so that you're going in march i'm definitely going yeah <laughs> maybe not march but one day and they all kind of chill out there they get this hotel which is a little bit run down but they've been sold a bigger story and eventually they find that themselves and the people in there to to be really great and, and lovely it's set in Rajasthan in India really colorful and, and beautiful and it looks an absolutely idyllic life out there actually and if you didn't see this yeah maybe check it out I'll tell you why I haven't watched a it lovely surprise I'll tell you and, and this is my own sort of belligerence is that I remember my like my old man's probably been to the cinema maybe twice in his entire life because he he gets absolutely zero joy out of anything at all but he he went to the cinema to watch this with my mum and they both really enjoyed it and and i think i was maybe at an age where i just thought oh that means it must be wank yeah, if my parents right. liked it yeah especially my old man but it's, it's a funny one but my mum really enjoyed it as well and it took me a little while to go oh mum's liked it yeah. i'll probably like it as as well but i did uh, get around to seeing it and really did enjoy it they did another one which i haven't seen but that was just based off the the strength of the first one i don't think it's it's quite right. hit the heights okay my last is the um smallest hotel in the world officially the smallest hotel in the world is the el Housel hotel in a place called amberg in Germany, which I don't know if that's a Cockney pronouncing Hamburg or there's a place called <laughs> called Hamburg, but can you guess that? So hotels are done on capacity of of number of beds oh. in inverted commas. So can you guess how what the maximum capacity of guests there is at this hotel? Uh, two, correct. Okay, it go. is two. the The entire hotel it has a maximum capacity of of two guests and. The whole thing is 53 square metres. Wow. Officially the smallest hotel in the world. Think we could build a smaller one? Yes. Yep. okay, that's another record we can do. So um, into the last few things on my list, I'm going to go with a couple of TV ones. One was a scene that I was actually reminded of earlier, just as we started recording. A really brilliant British sketch show called Big Train. Mm. There's a scene where well, there's a guy and uh, they're just in, a, in an office and uh, this guy is is buying the hotel Ritz. Uh, yeah, it's Mark Heave. And, it's, and, the, and the, the guys that are selling it are like, look, we want you to uphold like, you know, the, like the history and the heritage of this, you know, fantastic, iconic mm. hotel. And we want you to keep, you know, as much of it the same. We don't want to sell to people who are going to like, you know, co- completely change it. And the guy's like, listen, that's absolutely what I want to do. I, I, I want to honor this place. I just want to change one slightly small detail. I want to rename it from the Hotel Ritz to the Hotel Tits. And then they're like, so, well, no, obviously you can't do that. And he's like, no, no, I don't, I don't think you've, you've understood how it's spelled. It's actually T-I-T-Z. It's tits, not tits. So that's, that's why we want to buy it. And it goes on for, for quite a long time. And it fin- the scene finishes with there's an awkward silence. And then Simon Pegg says, uh, does anyone want to see my monkey impression? Just jumps up on the table, starts throwing like tea and biscuits all over himself. So really good scene if you've not seen it. And the other thing is, I mean, this is an absolute pillar of British comedy, Faulty Towers. Yeah. I mean, I think 13, famously only 13 episodes mm-hmm. or something, feels like there were hundreds because of how enormous uh, an impact it had on like british like uh, sitcom culture fantastic john yeah. cleese for me is is best even better oh, yeah. than the monty python stuff he's 
unbelievable I in his performance and, and the guys that perform around him as well it's I remember breaking up with a, a girlfriend at college and being really upset and whatever. And then it must have been right at the end of college because they started putting this on instead of a, a lesson or something, you know. And I was just pissing myself laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even in that mood, it, it was still super funny. That It's just classic. You're right. Classic British comedy. Yeah. Watch it if you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, I'm going to go for the Cherry Tree Inn and Bed and Breakfast in Illinois. Which is in which film? Groundhog Day. Nope. Fuck, fuck, fuck. How's that not in? Not in, not in the top ten. strong one as well, That's yeah. strong, yeah. The, not according to the, the audience of HotelOnline.com. Maybe because it's a and b they, they're I putting think they a technicality. Yeah, they, the hotels would look down their noses at B&Bs. Well, maybe because you didn't say Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> well, no, clearly oh, that's not no, in there. Right, but that no. was a, a good one for yeah. the kids. Yeah. There's a new one out just the other week. What, you seen that I'm one yet? Not, no, no okay, I've not good. seen that one yet. Uh, it's good. What's that, number four? Yeah. Wow. Um, I, it's on Amazon Prime. Okay, I, I, but the I've one I was really going to say anyway is the Bellagio uh, in Ocean's Eleven because I wanted to get another piece of... You're not getting anything no, for that, no. no, no I've never seen no. any of the Oceans films. They're not the okay. original, I mean, not the remakes. I've stayed, I've stayed in the Bellagio. Have you? Yeah. I've stayed next okay. to the Bellagio in the Cosmopolitan, which is even better. So. <laughs> in a car parked outside. Yeah. yeah. Oceans 12 is shite, but 13 is <laughs> decent. Okay, never, seen, never seen any of them. Yeah. Okay, was that your your go? That was my go, and I and l- l- much like side. Now it's not one me a marshmallow. I yeah, don't really, really want to talk really about, it. about it. But that's I, I, Brad Pitt. It had George Clooney. Anybody that was anybody apart from Johnny Depp was in this. Movie, yeah, it was a, an ensemble cast. I don't know what. Nothing draws me into those films for some reason. You don't. I don't like, know why. Like Clooney being like super suave and like a bit like too much. You won't mm. like this. And the whole film is like that. I'll probably enjoy it if I watch it. I just never, nothing's ever compelled me to, to watch it. It was a bit of a, a remake from the Rat Pack. Yeah, I remember. I, well, I don't well, remember. There was it, the, the original one with Sinatra and all that. Lot. Yeah. Any good? I haven't seen the old one. Yeah, it was decent I enough might, because of those guys as well. I mean, yeah, you think yeah. they're, they're entertainers, singers going mm. into film rather than these guys, all actors who, you know, obviously that's their. Yeah. Well, there was a genuine bigger. dynamic with the Rat Pack, whereas it would be a bit more contrived with the. But, a little bit, but you can see that they're friends and they probably yeah. had a laugh during the, mm-hmm. the filming of it all. Cool. I've only got a couple left, but it's more about the, the marshmallows in the top 10 now. So I'm just going to mention the, the San Francisco Fairmont, which features in uh, the epic film called The Rock that Sean Connery gets. That's in the top 10? No, it's not. No, uh, no. That gets uh, He gets put in. That's where he has his hair cut and he dangles Warmack off the balcony <laughs> by like a bit of Womack and Womack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really scraping the barrel, so I need you guys to come up with... Okay, what about the Watergate? Is that a hotel? Oh, shut up. It doesn't. It doesn't actually list all the names of the hotels. Well, it's on Lords of President's Men. It's where. No. Okay. Well, okay. I, I didn't actually have that on the list. I was just thinking what might be in there. We're playing a different game now, but the Hotel Mumbai must be in I there. I was going to have a good. Well, Brian sorry, you, it's you, not. Yeah. Well, Hotel Mumbai. What a great film, though, because it was based on the true story oh, was that of. Cheap? No, it was. I think Dev Patel again. He's work. It's a true story of the attack on the the Taj Hotel in Delhi and terrorists came in and they they took over the the hotel com- 
completely terrifying, you know, mm. and the hotel staff really risked their own lives to save the the people in there and the Right, sorry, so Pete's got his hand up. I've got a but I sorry, hotel that was <laughs> I lo- you lost me there. Right, so decent one. I'm looking at the I'm looking at this list and I'm thinking you're probably never because this is a little bit more like hotels that have featured very quickly at times in this. So what we're gonna do is now make this a fastest finger first. So whoever shouts it out first, I will read out the clue and then you shout out the film. How's this? Do we have okay. to make it's a buzzer two, noise? Look, two, are we allowed one. motels just I, I well let, possibly so it's currently two ones aside okay what's his buzzer noise just to be sure what's your buzzer noise side buzz <laughs> and Dan <laughs> okay that's a classic buzzer yeah. noise if there's a tiebreaker Dan wins because his buzzer noise is better okay. okay so at number two on the list gone early on the buzzer sorry. no 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 okay the shower scene <laughs> Bates Hotel and the film Psycho correct so that's 2-2. Two, two. Okay, number four on the list. Eddie Murphy's reception desk rant. Bzz. Yeah. Biltmore? Is that... Um, I, I haven't got the hotels here. I need the film. Beverly Hills Cop? Correct. So Eddie takes a 3-2 lead. This is fucking tense oh, stuff. Oh, I'm sure those, so. those listening to the audio description right now <laughs> <laughs> are getting the full... I'm sweating. D. Okay, next clue. Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore have... No, it was way before you. That's not even a buzzer noise. I did hear a zzz before I heard an... Indecent proposal. Correct. 4-2 side E. Okay. So when West Ham beat the Germans in the World Cup. (laughs) Number six, Brad Pitt and Gina Davis. Definitely a side... Uh, I can't oh, think of it, oh, 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 come on, that was too long. <laughs> five, five, two. You can only tie now, Dan. I can't believe he's just paused for the edit there. He took okay. ages. The third time he'll be mentioned tonight. Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah. Scent of a woman. <laughs> no, you can't now buzz in. Do you want me to kill? Yeah, to, yeah I haven't okay. got a clue. Al Pacino hears about his father's shooting while having dinner with Diane Keaton. <laughs> Godfather. <laughs> Godfather what? Correct, 6-2 oh. side. Well done. You, I just you, sit back now. Yeah. It's done. Number nine, <laughs> Ewan McGregor leaves hotel room with the drug money. Is this buzz, buzz, buzz. Yeah. Train spot. Correct. Oh, fuck. 7-2. And the final one, Maria de Medeiros tells Bruce Willis she wants a pop- Yeah. Pop fiction. Correct. Zed's a Zed's. pop belly. Yeah. yeah. So that's a thrashing. <laughs> eight, a thrashing eight two. Mm. Eight two. You get eight. Uh, wouldn't have got pop fiction in a fucking minute. No, years. like a lot of these you wouldn't have thought of. That that brings my yeah. That's that's my uh, stuff to a conclusion. Apart from very quickly, I'll tell. I think Harry's mentioned it on the pod before. We stayed in a hotel. I checked into a hotel in South Korea. I think in Incheon, a place where nobody spoke any English. And this was a, what's it called? The the guide. You'd have had a million of them down the um, Lonely Planet Planet Guide. So we stayed in this hotel. And when we were checking in, I noticed loads and loads of pornographic DVDs behind (laughs) the counter. When we went up to the room and we were sharing a room, you opened up a, I opened up a drawer and no, normally there'll be like a Bible yeah. or, you know, a pad with some pad. There was a menu of all the different sex toys and butt plugs and stuff that you could order from reception. And we managed to somehow check ourselves into a sex hotel. And that, 
And ironically, Harry and I didn't fuck till years later. <laughs> right, I've got some more, but I think we should leave some more for Jeff Kitchen and the rest of the people. Um, happy with that? Yeah. Well, let's let's make our choices then. So and Pete, just double check what was the score again there. It was eight two. Oof, dear me. So a bit of a, a solid mm. solid thrashing there. Mm. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's will it down then, Dan. What are you going to put in? I'm going to go for the best exotic marigold hotel. Mm-hmm. Pete? Um, Faulty Towers. That's a good call. I'm going to go for... Uh, oh, I didn't even say that one. I didn't say it, but I'm going to go for the Great Northern Hotel from Twin Peaks. Cool, cool. Okay, well, Jeff, help us out. <laughs> On a, a bit of a serious note, chaps, we have felt it, and I think the listeners will have felt it as well. A chasm. Uh, yeah, a, a massive void in the podcast over the last sort of month or so, which has been caused by, obviously, circumstances beyond our control and yeah. so on. It has it has been tough, and, you know, and I, uh, lots of people have been asking about it, about it and, and luckily, thankfully, the end is nigh. In fact, the end is tonight. <laughs> We're welcoming back Cheese. <laughs> Onto the podcast. Oh, cheese. Yeah, I don't think there's been anything else that we've, we've No, everything else has been fine. No, no one or, <laughs> or anything else has been missed at all. We don't have a jingle for, for everyone tonight, but we have... I've returned back to my cheese eating. A vegan no more. I'm no longer a vegan. And for anyone out there that's thinking about being a vegan <laughs> just sort of casually for a month, I... I Look, it's it was all right. Yeah, I, I ate lots and lots of things that I wouldn't have normally eaten, mm. and I probably won't eat again. But yeah, I, I I yearned for for the for the fromage, and so tonight I've just brought. I thought I'd I'd go in with uh, these are only number four strength cheeses because I didn't want to go all the way up the scale. Out, out of a hundred, <laughs> I don't know what this is out of. This is the Marks and Spencers uh, range. So I've got an Osso Irati, which is crafted. At the La Savoie Dairy in France, it's made from ewes milk. It's nutty and smooth. A little bit underwhelming and rubbery, if I'm honest. But yeah, it was not my favourite. No, the 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 next next one, which which isn't bad at all texture wise, is the Pied d'Anglois, which is a delici- uh, deliciously smooth cheese that develops a rich flavour, creamy texture as it ripens. I guess it's kind of like a slightly more interesting camembert or yeah it was yeah, good that describe one. it as it yeah. and the the tonight's winner for me anyway is the uh, the black sticks blue which is a sort of an orange blue cheese uh, mm. homemade by butler's farmhouse dairy in lancashire which is rich piquant and creamy but, i would disagree i'd say the winner is the uh, the gunpowder pickle thing well you got going yeah on i was going to go on to that we've got a gunpowder pickle which is a hot garlic pickle and yeah, I'd, I'd have it on my cornflakes. It's fucking it's, incredible. It's really good. That with yeah. the black sticks blue is a winning combo. Yeah, and uh, there's some some crackers and mm. lots of red wine, which yeah. always makes it. And uh, having been dry for most of January as well, uh, that's also going down nicely. That segues very nicely into this week's movie, which was a nomination of mine. I had heard it spoken about by Mark Kermode. Had you seen this before? No. And the scene that he was talking about was the middle of the film where Reese Shearsmith exits the tent. Uh, and I thought, mm, I want to see that. But the only way I'm going to get to see that, because I won't just watch it, is by nominating it. So I nominated it for you all to watch. It's a Ben Wheatley 
film and we would definitely benefit by having Riggs here because he's seen just about everything that Ben Wheatley's done. This was my first foray into the world of Ben Wheatley. What else has Ben done? He's a shootout one where the whole film is just a shootout and some other stuff and um, normally quite macabre and quite dark and this was certainly that. This was 2013. The cast, you kind of know a few of the people in it. So Julian Barrett, I got really excited that he was going to be in it but he's only in it for like seconds yeah and quite ironically the whole film smacked of jürgen harbormaster for <laughs> me did. from from the mighty boosh reese shearsmith who's like legal gentleman and like you mentioned before pete psychoville and who who is a fantastic like actor comedian performer i've actually seen him in the, the producers like like theater production he's right. a fucking brilliant performer all round yeah and Michael Smiley, who you may remember from, yeah, yeah, from yeah, Space. Yeah. Yeah. He was only in two episodes, but he's iconic. Left and he's a lasting got impression. A, like a cameo in Shaun of the Dead. He's one of the zombies, <laughs> like as tyres with his little right. like. But yeah, the, the, like in in uh, Space, where he's like, he, he's Every, like the raving, kettle and then the, raving yeah. to, the, to the phone ringing and yeah. stuff, yeah. But this is, this is set during the uh, 17th century English Civil War. So we're going back to Dan's youth here. <laughs> so I knew it was going to be weird. So this one, it starts out, Reese Shearsmith's character, Whitehead, I think is the yep. thing we know him as. He's sort of carrying in a bush and Julian Barrett, his commanding officer, I yeah. guess, is barking orders and he's carrying away. And at this point, I'm thinking, oh, great, Julian you know, I really like Julian Barrett. It's going to be good. He just gets like speared or harpooned and dies after about 30 seconds of being in the movie. And he points at something and his finger gets cut off yeah it's um it's sort of stark black and white from the it surprised me right from the get-go because i'd never heard of it it was just right amazon prime Mm -hmm. bought the movie because it wasn't free so i was like fuck (laughs) right i'm gonna have to fork (laughs) out for this how much hour and a half i think i paid three pound 49p and and so i i'm just Straight away into this black and white movie, I, w- I was really wondering wh- where it was set. I didn't even read the the thing to see it was 17th century. I just went straight on, hmm. and it took a little while to figure out. What you could have done with some audio description. What, what's maybe. going on? Potentially, I could. <laughs> I might have had it on if it if it had played it, but it didn't. Um, I tried, <laughs> and and it's just really crazy. It took me a, a, a little while to to settle in, and I was thinking it's very arty movie. This it seemed like an art house movie. Hmm. It was just there was nothing around us. Well, I mean, I literally, thinking, it's cheap, a field how, in England. How cheap it must be to, yeah. to to film this. It's just a guy in a camera with actors in a field in costume, mm. black and white, brings it all down. So it intrigued me right from the beginning, the idea of it's all going to be about the conversation. It's all, But then a lot of it is around the, the, the angles they're shot and the way that he shoots the film and just the way... It's very abstract again, I think, isn't it? It's just psychedelic in parts. Yeah. There was... There was it, it spun me out a little bit, this film. It was... Um... Well, the, the thing sort of kicks into gear with it. There's basically four of them that are deserters from this battle. And they're, they're on their way to an alehouse. They're just basically going to go and get pissed instead of die on the battlefields. Um... Well, they, yeah, they all kind of fight this for a game of soldiers. They have a little s- skirmish at first, don't they? The one guy they find dead on the floor, he rummages through his pockets because they've... they, And then he goes to fight 
another guy because he's he's upset he thinks he's fighting from the other side another guy goes well look we're all deserters here we're all on the same boat mm. then that guy hears ale doesn't he and he springs up yeah because he's he's on the floor but, but they've dead. heard they've heard about not- some boozer that they can that's and you're looking around thinking well where the hell is that going to be well, a bit of a recurring theme in the in this film which You'll need to walk me through here, sir, because I didn't know what the fuck was going on for for certainly a big spell of it. But a recurring theme seems to be like characters being resurrected, yeah. like people just like that you assume are dead are not uh, are not dead, or maybe they well, are. Well, there's one, there's one guy. of them right but, from the beginning. Then. But yeah. what I what I would say is certainly is especially when you get the introduction of tires. Well, that bit that bit threw me out because right, I didn't. That, that spun me out, but. At least three of the people, because of it being black and white, because of like the clothing and the long hair and the beard, the beards, I couldn't fucking tell who was who. Like at least three of the characters all kind of, in, until sort of tires well, has a quite a a different sort of you know like persona. Even to the end, there was two characters that were the fucking same to me. Looked exactly the same. The actors looked very similar. Anyway, yeah, I know the ones you mean. So. It turns out that what's his name, Whitehead? He he's on a mission to apprehend someone who's stolen some papers from his boss, who's this kind of we call him an alchemist. Alchemist, yeah. But he's clearly like some kind of occult witchcraft sort of thing going on. And this is definitely a folky horror. I I was sort of thinking a little bit like Midsummer in that it's not a slasher movie horror thing. It's that kind of weird Wicker Man midsummer kind of thing you still need to watch that and they i i I don't know if i got like ptsd from watching the video but i can't remember why they started pulling on the rope no why i don't i don't know i don't know why the rope was there it seemed to be like it seemed to be wrapped around a weird kind of there was a thing with an inscription on it yeah this is this is all part of as i understood this was all part of the alchemist plan in fact it wasn't the alchemist it was his kind of second in command that it got this yes. ma- band of merry men together and then he started giving them soup he said look come back first we'll eat then we'll go to the ale house i've got it all set up and he started slipping mushrooms yeah the mushrooms the and and whitehead said no i'm i'm on i'm fasting i'm, I'm fasting. not having any of that yet so they start pulling on this rope and then what's his name o'neill appears out of the ground and his right hand man goes off to dress him and Whitehead saying, "Right, that's the guy to the to friend. It's the guy I've been sent to look for. We need to apprehend this guy. You're going to have to help me, and we need to get him. And it's straight away, just fucking does not work. No, it was never going to work. No. It, it was he was trying to get a load of people that had deserted to to go and get pissed. Suddenly stepping up for duty again and apprehending some guy they've never fucking met for this guy who they've never met." Or the first time they did. So there, it was never going to happen. But he still thinks it does, doesn't he? It's he goes still... up to try and make this kind of citizen's arrest. Yeah, he tells them, you're, you, you know, you've done this. You're coming with me. He's, he's nixing papers, whatever spells, I guess, they are. And some yeah. sort of, you know, incantations or whatever. And still at this point, it's relatively straight. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Because of what e- comes yeah, even, even with the weird rope pulling yeah. bit. Because at first, like, Whitehead doesn't want to get involved with the pulling of the rope. Like, it's be- almost like it's beneath him. Yeah. but. He seems to be like, you know, cajoled into into doing it. But I mean, at this point, I was I was kind of nervous because, like, you'd, you'd mentioned. Well, obviously, you told us what the film was, and then I'd seen. I hadn't read a great deal about mm-hmm. it at all. Only just like a really brief synopsis, but it did say horror. 
So I'm thinking like, okay, this is going to, especially when I saw mushrooms, I like, right, okay, this people going to be like fucking sawing their own faces <laughs> off. And here we go. Like, this was not a horror film at all. There was no element. Oh, there was I one found. bit that I thought was fucking there, there was a, terrifying. There was a couple of gruesome bits and, and some really like fucked up kind of suggested stuff going on, but nothing that... Well, we like, can get into the, the one bit because yeah. it comes up pretty much straight away. Uh, O'Neill is not having it and he, for some reason, has got it in his head that there's treasure in this field or somewhere around here. And he thinks, and he says to Whitehead... You know, you may. I'm better than you at all this stuff, but there's one thing you can do, and it's help me find this. He's got a gift. You've for, got his gift for finding almost it. like a human diviner. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he then ends up in the tent, and the guys are outside the tent listening and freaking out to this blood curdling screaming that's yeah. going on from inside the tent. And this was the scene that I'd heard Mark Kermo talk about, and it's when it goes into slow motion and. Reese Shearsmith or Whitehead comes out of the tent and he's sort of tied and he's like bound but he has this awful like smile on his face deranged like just completely psychotic <laughs> I don't know what is, what is supposed to be going on and he just leads them around the field <laughs> in slow motion yeah like, with this like, a like haunting or something like. yeah this like haunted smile like weird is, expression yeah, on his face a... and then eventually comes to a stop and it's really near the tent <laughs> it's like it's here it's here you know oh yeah it goes all the way around yeah. the field in, so, in 10 yards from where yeah. they started so obviously uh, like when, when it's it described it as like a, a drama horror and i've seen it was, even there was definitely like comedy elements in this because there, there's this like there's some funny dialogue like things that i guess well, you know, even like there's one guy who like as in his like dying wish is to like say, Oh like can you pass on a message to my wife and it's to say like oh, I, I hated her, I burnt her dad's barn down and I fucked her sister and she and I and, she, and I loved her more and stuff like so there's because that was, like, uh, Jimmy Bullard. Sorry? That guy. He looked just like Jimmy Bullard. Oh, right, okay. That, that's <laughs> um, how I referred to him the whole film. He's friend, that. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But but obviously because Reese Smith, Tyres and Julian Barrett you, you, all like sort of synonymous to me with comedy yeah. anyway so there were like comedic elements of this but going back to the scene that you're talking about which is the first time in in the film where it takes like a really sinister kind yeah. of like you know like shoot off or whatever i because i i thought okay here we go because at first of all i think it's like black screen and screaming and then you mm. eventually realize it's coming from inside the tent the other guys are set outside and I thought, oh, we're going to go in there and see he's going to be like peeling his skin off or anything. And you don't see any any of that. No. And then he comes out and he's all like sort of like tethered and like kind of like, you know. Mad, I, I, the, mad eyes. Yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't think of the word. Like, But he's he's almost like he's lost it. He's, he's hmm. like not, not himself. He's delirious, I guess. Yeah. But then I thought, like, fuck, was he like raping him in the tent? Is 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 that what it like into submission? Basically, Inter- interesting like, that that's where your mind went. Well, <clears> I didn't know because... He sort of stumbles out, and then in slow motion, he sort of. Th- there's no obvious injury or wound no, or anything wasn't like anything. that to him, and it, but he is kind of like bound in ropes. So I immediately thought well, maybe he was like basically fucking him into submission, like, and, and that's that's why he is now going to do this thing. But as he bends over, some blood like drips onto like the glass, the grass, but you don't see Where any cut from, or yeah. wound or anything. So I don't know where the blood comes from. I mean. Fuck! It's definitely not the weirdest thing in this. For like, there, there was a load of stills. 
like scenes where they were completely stood still in like different like postures, but. When I say stood still, it wasn't the the you know like a, a still shot. Like they were stood there breathing and like and a still moving. They'd made. Yeah, like they're posing for something, pointing at things. But and I'm like ready for something to to like an explanation for why no explanation at all. Well, that's where we see this cock scene. It just <laughs> it follows the photo round, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, so, so, you've well, got one guy who's who stood in the the field, who is the the kind of argumentative, most soldiery guy. Was this Cutler? May have, may was have he the guy here. that was it's like either Cutler O'Neill's... or Jacob? I can't remember. Which. Right, I think like you say a lot of them were very similar looking. Cut, yeah, that that was quite confusing. We we've missed a, like a, a sort of an amusing scene where like one of the guys is taking a shit, and then as they sort of like approach him whilst he's taking a shit, he like falls over, <laughs> and, like, ends up rolling thing. around, getting nettles all over his like arse and bollocks and yeah. stuff. It looked a terrible spot to take a shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 it wasn't very like. There's trees. There's like wo- heavy yeah. woodland all mm. around. Like, he just... Even in black and white, I could see there were stinging nettles. Like, <laughs> yeah, hell. yeah, but he's obviously he's struggling because of these like nettle stings mm. with his undercarriage to the point where uh, he gets whitehead to like. He's have got a look. some sort of medical knowledge yeah and you just get a real big close-up of his dick a close-up of like a dick with a big like like lesion on it yeah yeah (laughs) it's yeah it's not pleasant at all yeah like we know people that have had those though so yeah that happens which was interesting and they're basically just digging a hole for a lot of the rest of the film it's just yeah because he he, this treasure is whitehead as the sort of you know, the Bounds divining rod, yeah. I guess, but, but has found this area, like you say, right next to the tent. He's yeah. gone galloping off <laughs> all over the place, which is quite funny to see. And he and says, the treasure's here. So they start digging there, mm-hmm. down and down and down. And they keep digging, digging. And then uh, a gun comes out, doesn't it? We get a couple of guns because there's a shooting scene and they they take a, a, a shot. I think... Jimmy Bullard is taking it in the <laughs> in the stomach, and this is yeah. where yeah, they have he, an as argument he's, as he's yeah. dug the hole, and he's been he's been shot. His last lines on words on earth are, "Tell my wife I fucked his sister, and she loved it, and we had it off all the time yeah. because I fucking and hate I burnt her. her dad's barn down, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff." Um, but then a little bit later, as they've gone in to say, "Oh, he's dead." He pops back into life, well, they, they, doesn't he? he res- drags him off to, yeah. you know, he wants to give him, a, he promises, because his mate's like cut up by this, so he wants to give friend like a Christian mm. burial, he calls it, and drags him off. He seems to be like bound and stuff. Drags him off to like the, the edge of the field. But yeah, like you say, he, he returns later on. Well, he, yeah. it's and, and at this point, Whitehead's like lost it. He's now... He's absconded and he's like foraging around. He's now eating mushroom. Even though he, he was previously fasting, he'd been made to drink some ale or whatever. And he's now yeah, lost I think the that plot. was spiked with something. Yeah, yeah. And now uh, he he's lost the plot and he's eating mushrooms. And there's loads of mushroom eating going on in this. In this, yeah, movie. yeah. I mean, I, I hadn't eaten any magic felt- mushrooms, but I kind of felt a little bit like I had. There was one scene. I had to fast forward through or skip 10 seconds because it was just, you know, that lights and it was flashing lights. With the wind. Just, and it was all the wind. It was towards maybe the the second half of the, the film. Yeah. And it was like he, two minutes of just flashing lights and noise and it wasn't going anywhere. It was just doing that. Well, he, he was just trying to make you feel really disorientated. Yeah. And it did that. It, it achieved its goal. I think that he'd, goal he'd, been, he'd been put upon by O'Neill and tortured and made to do all this stuff. And I thought he just 
he just snapped and he cast a, some sort of spell, you know, to bring this wind on because it blows the tent away. It it gets rid of him and it disorientates yeah. everyone, disorientates us as the audience. And it, go, it does go on for a, a long old while. Because you um, get that disorientation as well earlier when one of the, the cannons kind of hits the field and you just yeah. have it all he can't joined. hear anything so they, they've they've done that once or twice but this it was it was two or three minutes i was thinking you know some people with all the lights and all that they, it doesn't agree they with do them put up it. a warning at the beginning like strong really, really specific yeah, about yeah what like, you know about the epilepsy warning and then oh i didn't see that yeah yeah it's, right. it's, 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 it was on the audio description though whilst they're digging i think it is it cutler who's this sort of seconding yeah, charge? yeah, yeah. he's O'Neill's. He, like he finds he's he's digging and he he just uncovers a skull and he says to o'neill that they've been done and he pulls a gun on him didn't he well he like shoots in the in the grave in in this i say grave it was just the, the i don't know if he just like shot the skull but he was losing I, I, it. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Someone would have to sit me down and, and tell me what happened in this I film. even thought they'd found, like, I didn't know it was a skull. I thought it was a, a box with a skull's head, that the treasure they were looking for. You know, it wasn't clear to me that it wasn't the box, that wasn't the treasure when they hit something. No, because he says, he says that the whitehead stitched him up. Yeah. And he's gone missing, so he starts to lose it. And um, O'Neill Cutler, so it's Jacob and Whitehead is still left and he grabs if anyone's still listening just stick with us because we're, we're working our way through this we're as confused as it's, you are it, I mean it is a really hard film to follow I think because it's a hard you film get disorientated describe. even though it's really, it's a short film it's under 90 minutes and it was compelling you know I watched each scene apart from that one that it was just kind of very jarring for me where it was just these strobe lights and, yeah. and wind and noise and things I, I was watching really interested to to see how they shot it and everything and the techniques that he did the conversations that they had there was there was plenty about this film for me it was confusing though it was it, it was well, it starts it does, that, the, the violence starts to ramp up because he does he shoots his mate then he's on like this is o'neill um tires and then he's on the lookout for whitehead and yeah. They're hiding in the what's left of the camp, the, like the tent. They're behind. Good well, they're in the grass, and they, then they go behind yeah. a, a table. And at that point, friend comes back from the dead um, gives up, and gives shouts up over. Position. They're over here, like for some reason, gives up their position. So Jacob takes a shot in the gut. Yeah, but he is it him who shoots near in the leg? Yeah, he does. He, so he, he gets that hideous fire. fucking leg like injury. A, a horrible. Oh, well, at like, this leg point, break. Thing, yeah. The wife and the kids are all really turning <laughs> off this. You know, <laughs> that leg injury was disgusting. It's like you know these old big sort of lead balls. I guess they were shooting out of these yeah, old yeah, musket yeah. things. It Graphic. Ta- it takes shot. his leg. Well, at first you just see it hit, and then he you get. I think it goes back to the cabin, and then it cuts back to him, and he tries to step on it, and it just cracks, and I you hear saw, the noise, yeah, and the I whole the, the, the whole thing. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because he's already the violence is is already ramped up with this because. O'Neill is executed Cutler by sticking a gun in his mouth. one of these things in his mouth and the whole of the back of his head just yeah. blows out. And then, yeah, so O'Neill's fucked because of his leg. Your man, I can't remember his name. Jacob, he's gone. Jacob Friend is, is gone, is, but back died. and dead again. Fre- yeah, Friend's been killed again. And then it's just left to Whitehead to go up to O'Neill, who's like lying prone on the floor. and Blows his face off. Yeah, shoot him <laughs> through the back of the head and his face just like flies off. Yeah. And then... 
He then the bands are back together. Then he makes his way back to where it all started, the, like the hedgerow. Well, he retrieves all the stolen papers. Yes, he then does, he, and he, puts on O'Neill's clothes. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he gets dressed up almost like so. He's now he's gonna basically like you know he's become he's, the alchemist. Yeah, he's gonna be the guy. He's got the spells. He's mm. got the clothes. He looks the part. And then there's just a really cool shot I thought of the three of them, Jacob. Whitehead and, and friend, friend back together, which could have been like an album cover. You know, the, yeah. the three of them just stood there statically. Yeah, it was a cool shot, but yeah. I still don't know what the fuck. Yeah, was I don't know why everyone's like, back to life. Why they were there? What happened? Because I was waiting. I thought, like you, Dan, I was confused as fuck, and at some points, kind of like, oh, like this, this is. I don't know where this is going, but also very like it was. You know, there's com- a nice pace about it. It, it just co- kept yeah, you watching on. You know, it was good, at no point on. did I think like oh, I'm fucking bored or anything. Like, it wasn't boring at all, even though like the first like half of it is just like guys walking around in a field, talking gibberish, doing weird things with no explanation whatsoever. <laughs> and then, uh, but I was expecting when when the when the shooting started, and now you know that there are like screw. This is another weird scene where even though he's fasting and he gives him the drink, he like vomits up some like stones with yeah. like runes on them. Yeah. And then I think later on, O'Neill eats one of those. Yeah, he, he doesn't know what they are, does he? So he goes back well, and tends to Obviously, if you don't know what something is, you're just going to eat it just yeah. to like check it out. Yeah, I was waiting for like the payout kind of like at the end where like, oh, they, oh, okay, this is going to now make sense. Like it, all of it was a hallucination or whatever. Uh, and no, still, I was just <laughs> as baffled at the end as I was maybe like 30 seconds in when Julian Barrett bought it. And yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know what else I can now say. There's no, like, exposition or, you know, someone said, we need to go and do this because if we do that, then this happens and we need to meet him because and he owns no that. There's nothing, right? There's it's... no, and there's no tidy resolution. Well, there is because everyone's, the goodies, in inverted commas, are alive somehow, even though they've died two or three times. I, I, I mean, I don't know anything about this this filmmaker really or, or the cost of this film or, or anything about well, production values but what struck me very early in the film was just how brilliantly clever somebody can be on such a it, well tell me how much did it cost 316,000 pounds right so and some of it was done with it's called the Holger lens which I don't know if you remember those cheap cameras that you could buy in like urban outfitters and stuff like that the lomography cameras they're like 20 quid so they were using everything they could find to do different effects and you know when you've got no money you have to do stuff like that just to get things done so it, it cost you know not much 300 grand see, so. yeah see what, what you said there that like like this for me was like what like i i i watched it it held my attention and i was interested in some elements of it you said it's interesting, like, you know, how someone can do something so brilliantly clever with, with that sort of small budget. It, like, the meaning of this, the point of it, and what actually, like, happened, like, totally went over, again, like, I, I hold my hands up, this went over my head. This is not the sort of thing that I, Art House, there is a, an audience for which this will absolutely, someone would need to sit me down and tell me why it's so fucking brilliantly clever. Uh, obviously like not putting aside like sorry putting to one side the like actually like filming and the techniques and and everything like that which Mm. which i don't you know know a lot about i feel like that not necessarily this story but this guy with that sort of budget with the with the types of actors that he got in who are like reese shearsmith is fucking brilliant in Mm. pretty much everything i see him in 
it could have been so much more, but I guess he didn't want to do more. He wanted to do this mm. and, f- and and to leave people like me sat there going like, well, <laughs> you didn't fucking get it, mate. So you're an idiot. But well, I, I just, think I did not would be like that. get it. I didn't get the point I, of it. I didn't get the, you know, that I didn't get the, the conclusion of it. I don't know what I took from it or what I learned from it other than I laughed at some bits that, that were funny. I was horrified by some bits that were like horrifying and it held my attention, but I I, I couldn't. Rec- I don't know who I'd recommend this to. I don't know. Well, I don't know if there is a message to this film. I mean, if there is, I didn't get it either. I guess what I enjoyed about it was the the lighting and the way that it was shot, the pace of it. I did. En- I do enjoy all those things in films when I when I recognise straight away that this isn't a high budget film. You know what kind of things have they used? It was as confusing as fuck to me as well i mean i as i, say, I couldn't tell you what what kind of message but it's a, like a psychedelic historical drama set in a field it intrigued me enough that that i enjoyed it right but to, ju- just to kind of like put it back as a, as a question and this is really like ridiculously remiss of me because i've forgotten the name of the film james ward burkett fifty thousand dollars we watched it i'm gonna wait until you get it Uh, coherence coherence right so you're talking about three hundred thousand pounds versus fifty thousand dollars you're talking about you know psychological thriller you know if you're going to put it i mean i know it's very very different kind of like you know time and subject matter and everything like that but coherence absolutely like puts this in the shade like you wouldn't believe because that's something that i think delivers to an enormous audience i think you know arty people will like coherence but fucking you know i don't think normal cinema goers would also be blown away by that film yeah i think that's for me what you can do with a small that's more linear and it's more traditional storytelling it's sci-fi, but it's it's a lot more traditional. This but, is but, this isn't this isn't you know an experimental thing. It's telling a story in the the psychedelic way that they want to do it, and it's not about hoodwinking the audience or like having a, a pop at the audience or anything like that. It's just making the thing that you can make when you're working with a smaller budget and you're not at the behest of a studio system trying to get a massive return on it so you are you are given license to do pretty much whatever you want so i don't i get what you're saying about coherence but i don't necessarily think that the comparison is fair because i I think they're going for different things with the two movies and i I, yeah but for me if if you'd like you know similar kind of things that you know low budget small cast Mm. like it doesn't go out into a massive universe necessarily although coherence kind of does Mm. albeit with with the, the little that they have but I, I'm happy to be disorientated and confused mm. throughout something, and even then, not get the kind of like the payout that I that I, I, I expect. But coherence come goes off on a journey and comes back to a conclusion, and whether you like that conclusion or not, it, yeah. it, it definitely has a. This is, is like uh, it's almost like someone's got a film and, and turned it into a jigsaw and just like thrown all the pieces all over the place, and then you, yeah, I you mean, just 
I didn't get it. I've got to be honest. I, I didn't really get it at the time. I haven't stopped thinking about it since I watched it. Yeah. I don't know if you get it like this as well, but when I've nominated the film, part of me is like, oh, fuck, yeah, everyone's going to hate this. <laughs> you know, and I'm watching, oh, the guys are going to fucking tear into this. And so I was a bit like, I, mm. I don't but know the- whether it, it achieved for me like the, you know, the, the highest kind of what, whatever it set out to do. Because I think I agree with you, Peter, that, you know, I like to hold on to a message at the end of a film or at least understand it. Better mm. than I did this this film, but but like you, I've thought about scenes in this yeah. and some of them, the the really haunting ones, and it's made me feel something. You know, it made me feel enough yeah. that I wanted to, you know, yeah, uncomfortable and and the way that filmmakers do that, it, it interests me. And I think you know, for an hour and a half, this film certainly, if it had gone on for you know a two and a half, three hour film or something like God, that, yeah. you would be you'd really struggle with, that, with yeah. this, but. There was some just really fascinating scenes that um, absolutely don't get me wrong. I didn't hate this at all. Mm. I just like you know. I, I, felt, I don't know I, I why. Felt like, I felt like there there is like a room full of people or a whole cinemas full of people or whatever that will come out of that and go like, oh, did you see that? Oh yeah, and did you get that bit? Oh yeah, yeah, and and ever and I, I just fucking I just sat there feeling dumb at the end of it, going like like what. What, yeah, I think what was I meant to take away from that other than if that's little bits and pieces from it that like you said Dan like yeah I was I was I was captivated it was I laughed I was like I winced I did all the things that you would mm. want to do from a film but I just didn't understand it at all no I didn't I didn't sort of get it I didn't I didn't know what was real at the end of what was not, but that's probably the goal of the film to disorientate you and and confuse you. You know, ghosts on the battlefield and things like that, and how all these different stories over a field in England, Hmm. you know, would have been told over many, many different stories, different years, all the the things that a field like this would see. You know, it was just a moment in time that these deserters had got together and it was, they all took mushrooms, got fucked up and, you know, (laughs) and and shot each other. It could be as simple as that. No ammo, never saw a single bit of ammo. He shot like one guy, like someone like sort of, you know, doing what you did with like shotguns back in the day where you like almost like a cannon where you, I forgot what it's called. Like, but yeah, like there was quite a lot of shooting going on without ever anyone putting shot in the guns. But like, yeah, I'm not going to hold that against it. Yeah, you know, well, they did fill it up once. It just, there was a couple of scenes yeah, of them reloading. Right. Um, I, I told you it was three hundred sixteen thousand. Did I say three hundred sixteen thousand pounds? Yeah. Uh, what do you reckon it made? Uh, this figure's in dollars. The take is in dollars. I, I, I would say it's probably made half a mil. Well, considering it's in dollars, I'm then assuming it's been released in non-British, like I don't know why to non-British audiences. Which I'm thinking, like, you know, mate, this is sort of like I, I'm guessing British art house type stuff. What I don't film? Know. I, I don't know. Was it filmed for? Did it have a film for? It's I think so. Done. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. I don't know. It could have been a real like hit with a certain audience and. It, well, it didn't even make a hundred thousand uh, US, so low key results yeah. for this one. All I would say about it to sum up for me is that it's it's definitely not a boring film. No one will watch this and be bored from it. It's confusing and hard to follow. Well, it certainly was for me, and I wasn't entirely sure what was what had happened at the end of it. You know, <laughs> so it'd be great if you know load of people out there could watch it and and give us some feedback on it as well. Just tie it up because I'm not sure. Yeah. Someone could someone could do a podcast where they explain it to us. <laughs> yeah. That would be really helpful. Well, it 
does, I think, you know, put some kind of a story together. You know, it's in an historical drama with deserters in a field, found an alchemist. It goes off, though. It, it allows itself, you know, as you say, maybe not constrained by studios and things, and they've just <laughs> gone and used their imagination to go and do... I've just, re- just remember there's a couple of scenes where... It's just a shot of people putting shovels in front of their faces. Yeah, it happens loads. <laughs> and the camera just holds on it. And it's like, I can't believe that the director or the you know, writer-director, if it's all the same guy, has like done that for like absolute... Or maybe he has, just for his own amusement, just going like, and we'll do that and see. And then some people go, oh, yeah, the bit you did with the shovels is so bloody clever and everything. And he's like going, jokes on you, dickhead. I did it for a laugh. I don't know. I'll probably never find out. No, I don't think you will. Utamu, Utamu, good for you and tell me to. <laughs> ah, no. Goes right down like squishy goo. Utamu, Utamu, when only the best will do. It's Utamu. the grub for you. Utamu, Utamu. Uh, we watched The Lion Guard. The episode, as you can obviously tell, <laughs> was. Uh, we're not quite sure what number it was, but it was the search for Utamu, mm. which is a kind of grub. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I must admit, I thought these grubs might have little faces and things and be cute and be brought into the show, but they're always a food source. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's not, I, I don't know, Dan, you're, you're the um, guy who works for a conservation charity. And I don't know if, if A, Utamu are real, and B, if they're endangered in any way, but they they get fucking devoured a lot <laughs> in this <laughs> in this episode of The Lion Guard. Do you and know any more about Utamu? No, it's news to me, Utamu. But they've got a cracking little tune, haven't they? Good, they're good for you and yummy too. <laughs> yeah. I know that They much. tick all the boxes. <laughs> so this was in the Lion King world, and I'd not seen or heard of this before. The oh, Lion did you not? Okay. No, this is news to me. This has been in the past a massive hit in my household with, with uh, a couple of my boys. And they, yeah, they, they binged watch this for a long, long time, maybe about a year, a year or so ago. And so... Sidey, it was Sidey's uh, nomination, but as soon as he said I, I'm going for that, I was like, "Oh, this this has got a real like earworm of a song in it, mm-hmm. and some, I guess, like familiar characters as well mm-hmm. in it, it in in uh, Timon and Pumbaa." Yeah, yeah. This is the story of the Lion Guard, which is Kion, Kion, who is Simba and Nala's second child. I thought it was a prick in this episode, but there's a gang of them: Bunga, Fuli, Ono, Beshti. It's the hippo. The, the, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they say big B and little B, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. little B. And they are the the lion guard, and they have a sort of a saying that they have to the Pride Lands End, the lion guard defends something they, like they, that. They're, they're kind of like a an animal avengers team. Yeah, yeah. If you're in the gang, you have this uh, lion Ta- guard like branding ta- tattoo thing. They, get, yeah. they go and get branded. I'm wondering yeah. if it's the the old like crazy baboon dude that like. Does them? He does a cave pain, doesn't he? At the start, yeah. yeah. In this one, Fooley, who is a cheetah, she has to run off and do a couple of. Well, there's three rescues she does. I can't remember what the first one was, but the second one is some animals about to fall out of a tree. She runs over as a rescue, and then Kion comes over and is like, "Oh, you fucking prick! You like ran off. <laughs> we're a team, and you didn't wait. Like, if she hadn't got there, mm. they wouldn't have made it." And then yeah. there's another one. 
the third rescue is an animal is falling down a cliff. Yeah. So she sprints off and they said, oh, you didn't wait for us. It wouldn't have fucking made it. It, it was a ravine. And I did wonder whether it was the ravine where Mufasa bought yeah. it yeah, in, it in the, the Lion King. Well, it, it was interesting, wasn't it? The, the team dynamics of them all as well. Because you, obviously the, the cheat had gone out on his own and wanted to break loose and they were talking about how what's the name of the the tiger guy the 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 lion guy sorry kion he was talking about how they needed to be a team to Mm. stay stronger together and everything and it made me think of you know meredith belbin's work on teams in management peter that i'm sure that you're au fait with very familiar with that yeah different different people have different strengths yeah and he was out there on his own, running along. But as you said, he, he wouldn't have made, she. she wouldn't have saved the team if or, or that they were on it. They were going to crush all, those eggs. Also, what what she was doing is tiring herself out, sort of trying to get to it, using her yeah. speed, which is obviously mm. a huge advantage because she's very very fast, being a cheater. But yeah, yeah, sort of tiring herself out, not allowing other people to sort of share the burden. The message is that. Even if you're like fat, like the hippo or whatever. Smelly um, like Bunga. <laughs> smelly, yeah, he's a honey badger. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, 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 he's a honey badger, which is, uh, I think, officially the most aggressive animal in Africa, the honey badger. Anyway, the, the it's, it's all about the team dynamic. They've all got their own unique mm. um, attributes, obviously, the big, the, the hippo is like the strength and the eyesight yeah. of the, whatever it is, the... Oh no! Or whatever it is. Oh no! Yeah, he just goes around uh, mansplaining everything to everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah lots, so. lots of that. But it's all about. And, and obviously, we've jumped in here at episode eight, nine, or ten, depending <laughs> on which platform we watch this on. But I, I can't remember the original ones. But I think that there's a lot more, like obviously, establishment, like there is with with like pilot episodes and stuff, yeah, where yeah, yeah. it explains how they come together. But but generally, their job is they they're all kind of like slightly unique, mm. and they. I guess preside over the the pride lands that Simba, albeit you don't, I th- you, you, you do, do occasionally see him. See, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he's uh, he's still hanging. Yeah, around. yeah, yeah. About, yeah. Right, okay. Simba and and Mufasa himself appears in a lot of episodes yeah. as a vision as he does in the Lion King. Still voiced by James Earl Jones. Yeah, you hear him at the very start. Yeah. As well. you, you, so you've seen a few of these because the strong part of this episode is the song. Isn't it? I mean, it just there's a song of, in every episode. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I like the the backstory of Bunga because the it's a 25 minute long episode. So they all are. So it starts off with Fulius, and she is then taken out by she's done these three rescues. She's knackered, so she's kind of sidelined for a little while. Then the story moves on to Bunga and his origin of how he met his uncle, which is... Or his uncles, his Tim uncles and Pumba, because he, he was orphaned, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and so the, that's where the song comes in, because he, he helps them to find these Utami, whatever the fuck they're called. Oh, that's right. Because, Utamu. Um, Utamu. Utamu. He, he wants to find this. When only the best this. will do, yeah. they're the grub for you. <laughs> and he, he wants to, to find this, to bring it back for a celebration, where the celebration is actually... It's not about the grubs, it's about the day they met. Yeah. Him. That's that's yeah, the special. That's what thing. it's all about. And then as they're doing that, Oto, whatever the fuck. Oh no. Oh no spies okay? that the the vultures are circling and that someone's in trouble and oh no, it's Fulio or whatever the fuck <laughs> the cheat is called. So they have to dash over and perform that rescue and then go back for the Utamu. You know, 
what you got? It's the Lion King. It's just broken down. It's the extended episodes. universe. It's extended universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you've got kids, what, a seven, eight, going to love this, I guess. Uh, yeah, my daughter was straight away. Can we watch another one? Can we watch another yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, well, I'd happily let it, let well, it keep running. Actually, this. like younger kids, because my, my boys are six and four now, and they were probably watching this, you know, five and three was when they were like right in the. Probably the same, same with my daughter, because you'd go Disney kids, whatever the fuck it was called. Uh, and you would have this, then you'd have Sheriff Cali, and then a Vampirina and stuff like that. And it would just be on a loop. So, like, if you yeah. needed to, you know, just do something, you'd guaranteed you could put something on Disney, and one of these would be on, and they'd be happy, happy as life. I, I should dip back into Sheriff Cali. It's, it's been great. a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I did like that. But like the, so, so obviously, it's got loads of stuff for the kids because, like, my boys especially I love an- anything that's like animals mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so on. But like for the for the for the parents watching along with them. The songs are all good. They're like all that, there's a lot of good. Like Utamu is is a, is a, an all timer, but there's other really good songs as well. And there's lots of kind of like references to the Lion King, which is like I don't know how old that is now, but ninety four. Yeah, so like there's that. there's like nostalgia in there. There's there's like a group you don't see it in the, you see it in the intro, but there's a group of hyenas yeah. still, and that, and they like they still kind of almost like worship Scar. Yeah, he appears and, and in like he appears in visions and, stuff, yeah. and, and they do stuff to kind of like pay homage to yeah. him. Obviously, like I say, there's this Mufasa, mm-hmm. I, um, Simba appears in it from time to time. Mm-hmm. In this one, like Timon and Pumbaa, which uh, I think it's the the same voice actor um, for Timon, is voice voiced by the guy who does Nathan all of Nathan Lane's like voice doubling. I guess. When he, it's too dangerous for him to do his own voice acting. Well, exactly. I mean, it's treacherous <laughs> yeah. out in the African yeah, sort of wilderness and that. Lots of wild animals. So. Yeah, yeah that's a strong, this was a strong episode in a strong show. It, it surprised me, actually. I wasn't really looking forward to watching this. I thought, oh, fucking hell, this is, you know. But slowly, slowly, I got into this. And as I say, I let the, the next episode run on as well. Yeah. And me and my daughter just sat there and watched it quite happily. Mm. It's, it's interesting you said that, you know, Kion is is a bit of a dickhead in it, which he is. He's he's like all the way through. A theme is that he's quite kind of like boisterous and yeah. and and so on. But they they, you know, he he learns things as he goes along. He's like that. He's the leader because obviously yeah. he's the you know the son of the king and mm-hmm. so on. So he is quite often a little bit like overbearing. But he realizes the the error of those ways. Well, he steps good. back every now and then. Yeah, there's it. like you know there's this sort of redemptive curves and and learn and messages and learning for you know young viewers watching it and mm-hmm. stuff so it's like not to always be the but the, the person that's just like blazing a trail and oh everyone else just follow what i mm. say and do yeah I, I i like that my kids liked it they haven't watched it for a little bit but they watched all of it when it was you know mm. around and about i don't know if they're still making new episodes or not but there's there's a good few seasons there's like seventy odd episodes, so yeah, to get your teeth into. I think there's another into. spin-off because when I was looking for this, there was Lion Guard something else, and obviously then it like spins off. Yeah, but fair fucks to James L. Jones for still. I mean, he's a yeah like, a cinematic. Like his voice is amazing, yeah. but he's also a, a you know a stellar. He reads the the name of each episode before. Yeah. So you get the intro music, the Lion Guard logo comes up, and then it imprints the, I can't remember how it does it, like stone or something, and he reads out the name of each episode. It's pretty cool. I don't have any info on whether there's a, another spin-off. But everyone should watch at least this episode because of the Utamu song. I want people to tweet us in or just email us like voice clips of them going, mm, 
We've been doing it all night. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's get out of here because it's transfer deadline day and uh, we're waiting to see who Coventry, Coventry signed. <laughs> we had some real confusing fucking stuff to review this week. Dan, What have you got anything more clear for us to look at next week? Well, let, let's hope so. Top five is going to be the top five snow snowing movies cool yeah yeah so I'm into it's it. got a snowy scene yeah consider it for next week alive is going to be the midweek nice so that's that movie about the plane crashing mm-hmm. in the andes and there's a, a documentary on netflix right now called 14 peaks i've already seen it i'm going to watch it again but i'd like us all to to watch it for next week when we're going to review it and that is really really good so i'm giving you a heads up on that how i feel about it anyway so interested to see how you guys do and then for the kids it's going to be that girl lele and i'll give you the it'll probably season one episode one but i'll confirm that okay over the week cool well it was nice to hear from jeff though this week i must say yeah that was good and to end pete is going to sing us Utamu. no it's not really (laughs) all that remains is to say sidey signing out dan's gone (laughs) (laughs) 